No one and no one mode of transportation has entitlement to our streets. It's a common space that we all share. Yet, we seem increasingly oblivious to the needs and vulnerabilities of others, be it a pedestrian, cyclist, or driver. Listen, in 2018, Toronto saw 44 fatalities on the road. The city's ambitious Vision Zero commitment is stuck in neutral. Looking long-term, infrastructure modernization will no doubt be critical to reducing the number of fatalities. But is there something we can do in the interim? We think so. You're listening to Street Peace, a new podcast from Truce TO and RSA Canada. It's a show advocating for a 360-degree approach to improving street safety in Toronto. With collisions involving pedestrians, cyclists, and drivers on the rise, now is the time to discuss the role that, frankly, each of us plays in keeping our streets safe and decreasing the number of tragic incidents on the road. In today's episode, we'll hit the front lines, talking to the people who use our streets today and every day, as well as those who hope to have a more pleasant and safe and civic and, frankly, empathetic experience on our streets. I'm Ken Evans, a CSR partner of RSA Canada, and I'll be your guide in this podcast series. Joining me on this episode are three very special guests. Donna In, Senior Vice President of Personal Insurance at RSA Canada. Sarah Kleiman-Haga, former Toronto mayoral candidate and civic activist, and her son, Jacob Meyer. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. How are thank you? you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Happy uh, New Year. <laughs> Happy so before New we get into the, the nitty-gritty of the, today's conversation, um, obviously we're at the beginning of 2019, New Year. 2018, as we talked about in the upfront, was one of the worst years we've had when it's mm. come to uh, injuries and specifically uh, deaths on our streets in Toronto. Uh, so, Sarah, I'll turn it to you first. Uh, do you have a 2019 resolution or any hopes and expectation when it comes to street safety? Yeah, well, I mean, resolutions are, are always to be safe on the road, to be respectful on the road, um, and to be very aware. So that's am I, it's all, we're, we're always vigilant, and I'm teaching my kids to be vigilant, my partner and I are vigilant. So. Um, to be as safe as possible on the road, but to get out there biking, walking, um, experiencing the outdoors, and you know, and getting around as quickly as possible, which is usually by bicycle or walking. Um, and then my hopes and expectations for 2019 is is that I feel we, I think, I hope our government is starting to recognize we can't keep going down this path of, of more and more injuries and fatalities. Mm. And I think the difficulty is recognizing what direction we need to move in. And so far, most people have, you know, in the government have been hoping people will behave better and telling people to behave better. And unfortunately, until our roads are designed for people to behave well, we're not going to get the reduction in fatality. Mm. So my hope for 2019 is that we start to take some really concrete design changes in our city. Great. Um, and Jacob, how about you? As a you're a 16 year old Torontonian. Yep. And uh, what are, what are your some of you when you think about street safety and how you use the streets? What are some of your hopes or resolutions for 2019? Um, well, I agree with what my mom said, but also just for me personally, I want to be make sure I'm. Uh, always being vigilant and being aware of what's going on around me uh, if I'm walking or if I'm running or or cycling so for me it's just uh, just being more just being more aware and uh, going to places in our city that maybe I wouldn't have gone before and then as you were talking to us earlier you're in the midst of taking your run young drivers of Canada 
course to get your is it G1 that they call it? Uh, uh, it's just it's in preparation for getting the G2. The so G2 I, yeah. license. Yeah. So at the end of 2019, theoretically, you might have your license. Uh, at the, uh, theoretically, yes, yeah, because yeah. it's an eight-month period yeah. after you're finished. Okay, that, so. so that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Uh, Donna, how about you? What uh, when you look at 2019 and uh, and TO and, and street safety generally? What are some of your hopes or resolutions? Well, I think uh, what was I think is quite hopeful uh, was there was quite a bit of talk uh, specifically from Mayor Tory at the end of 2018 about the fact that Vision Zero um, isn't really where we we're not even getting uh, close to where we want to be and I think that was a big step of awareness to come out and say you know what we actually um, are going in in the wrong direction and, and and that's been a lot of what we've been talking about through uh, through our program um, and that we need to do some meaningful things um, and there's some commitment, at least I feel that there's some commitment. I don't, again, I, I would agree with Sarah. I'm not sure it's completely mapped out about what that's going to look like. But I think, you know, the first step is really awareness that it's not working, at, but that is, it is a goal that we, we need to we need to continue to focus on. So that's what I'm hopeful about. I, I'd be similar to, to Jacob. I think uh, in terms of a personal resolution is, is really about that awareness. And I would say for my kids as well, making sure that they're staying aware of their surroundings. They are doing more exploring of the city. They're, they're teenagers um, and um, they need to be aware when they're on the streets, whether they're walking or whether they're in, you know, my daughter drives. Um, but uh, I think that awareness because it's really easy to get distracted. Um, well, absolutely. And then the, uh, now we have these new distract, uh, distracted yes. driving fines that came down uh, just in the new year, uh, which are pretty intense, $1,000 for stiff. the first time. Yeah. So. Um, just when you think about that from an insurer point of view, um, that's got to be encouraging. Oh yeah, we're we're yeah. very pleased about it. Um, when we, you know, it's sometimes very difficult when there is an accident to actually um, get underneath the root cause, which is often distracted driving, but we you can't necessarily see that that's happened. So it could be a, a single vehicle accident, etc., where they're distracted. Um, so we're quite pleased that that that's coming through and that people will, I hope will, it'll be a deterrent from, for them to, to, to put the phone down and, and not pick it up because they are stiff fines for sure. I mean, you've all mentioned it in terms of that notion of awareness on the streets yes. and building, being more aware, being more mindful. Uh, mindful is obviously a trend that we're looking at generally <laughs> speaking. It'd be nice to bring it to our streets. But Sarah, as a, as a former mayoral candidate in last year's election, when you look at just looking specifically at the new distracted driving fines, a thousand for the first time, two thousand, three thousand for the second, third one. I mean, again, it's it's always a little bit uh, disappointing that we have to put such deterrence in place, but in fact, we do uh, based on the stats that we see last year. What, what are your thoughts about a policy like that as an interim measure before we, you know, look at design? Well, I think. The, the one good thing about a policy like that is that it does send a message, okay, we are putting up a high fine. But unfortunately, it, it really, to me, will not be effective unless it is consistently enforced and regularly. And I mean regularly, I don't mean yeah. blitzes. If you only, and the thing is, people's lives are very complicated and people are in a rush and people have a million things on their mind. And if you ask anyone, are you gonna get caught and fined 1,000 or 10,000 or whatever for your phone? I, do you see people putting their phones down? I still don't see that happening. But so it, either we're going to have to seriously enforce and to get those fines happening, in which case, sure, behavior will change. People will be angry and talk about getting rid of those fines, but behavior will change. But I think it's always better to move to something where 
you don't have to find people. People naturally do the right thing. That's how we have Absolutely. to design our streets. So for yeah. sure, but I wouldn't. I would say it's not even an interim measure at all. It's just a signal that the government is saying, okay, we need to say this. We need to do this. But without enforcement and without the changes that make it yeah. easy for people to do the right thing, it's a very, very limited value. Now, Jacob, we were really excited to hear that you're going to join us today uh, because you're you're a young Torontonian. Uh, using the streets as a, a pedestrian, as a, as, a, as a cyclist to get to and from activities and school. When, how would you describe your feelings and uh, experiences on Toronto streets? Uh, are, you, are you a confident, secure cyclist and pedestrian? Uh, talk to us a little bit about your own experience on the front lines. Well, yeah, I, uh, I travel, I commute all, sor all sorts of different places around the city, so I I um, bike with my hockey stuff to hockey games around to Forest Hill, or our, our family goes on bike tr bike rides around the Beltline Trail or the Lakefront. And when I'm on the Beltline and uh, and the Lakefront, you just feel so it's so beautiful, just riding along. You're so, it's so smooth, and um, because they have the dedicated lanes, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you don't have to really worry about uh, about cars or anything like that, and just get to enjoy scenery around you um, uh, on the contrary to that though however biking to those places is sometimes really tricky for example going along uh, Davenport or Bathurst then I just when you're next to a car and they're coming right beside you within like less than a meter it's super stressful and uh, and very very scary um, when you're trying to get somewhere and you don't really feel you just feel like you're being pushed off the road when you think about um, you know your use of the of Toronto streets um, and and you know the inconsistency and then where you feel safe and where you don't feel safe, is this a conversation you and your friends have? Yeah, actually, it is. Uh, me and my friends, we uh, we we all can branch off from Bloor Street. My school's at around Runnymede Station, and uh, so we would bike along Bloor Street sometimes together when we wanted to bike together, and. Uh, my friend was actually so it he took Bloor Street more than I did sometimes I'd take Davenport and so he was actually so motivated and I uh, myself as well to create a petition to send to our school to try to extend those Bloor bike lanes past where Shaw is and so it's definitely everyone really at my school really really enjoys riding their bike and loves to and do you guys like share tips on you know what routes are good or what routes are not or new construction on this and we should like do you strategize uh, as a yeah. group about that stuff well when we're when we're biking when we're biking together uh, to get to a place for example school i i've tried to convince them not to go on bloor street but uh Sometimes it's just whoever whoever yeah. has the loudest voice, whoever wants to. Sure. <laughs> goes. Uh, Sarah, I'm, I mean, part of your platform for uh, your run uh, for mayor of Toronto was about, uh, had a lot to do with cycling, had a lot to do with design and street safety generally. Uh, but it also comes after, you know, a bit of a journey on your own uh on your own sort of uh, experience and I guess a bit of an epiphany. Right. Uh, in terms of... Um, using the streets and street safety. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm, I've so I've been in Toronto my whole life. I've biked, I've walked, I've driven, I've taken the TDC. And I, I, in my early 20s, I was biking all over the place. And I was very frustrated at uh, the lack of 
accommodation of cyclists, and that was fine. Um, I was very frustrated with, frustrated with drivers who didn't, I didn't feel gave me enough room on the road. But I turned that frustration into often anger. Like I would just, I'd be on the streets looking at the cars as my enemy. And it made for a very stressful ride. It did not make for good relationships with the people I was sharing the road with. And it actually often led to more conflict. And you know, here's an example. If someone passed me too close, sometimes I'd be so upset, I would, I would feel it was my duty to catch up to them, to tell them that they passed me too close and they need to be a better driver. And uh, of course, you know, sometimes they would apologize, but what would invariably happen is I'd be dangerous on the road while I was trying to catch up to them because I was only paying attention to them. I was not paying attention to myself. It, it, I'm sure that no driver went away from our discussion <laughs> feeling better about how they were going to drive. So one day, I, I, there were two things that changed for me. One was talking to someone about my frustration on the road and why, you know, why was it this way? And someone said, the best way you can change someone's attitude is by modeling. And so if you're on your bike, you've already sent the message that you think biking is the right thing and that you think bikes deserve to be on the road. Anything you do beyond that, especially if it's negative, it makes no difference. And that really helped because I stopped thinking I'm a one woman army who has to change the roads. Uh, that was one thing. The other was a cycling education course that I had to take for a job in uh, my mid 20s. And I went in and it was all about uh, how to behave as a cyclist and how to, um, which the rules of the road that we needed to obey. And one of those was sidewalk riding, not to ride on the sidewalk. And another was, um, I think, you know, coming up to cars as they were turning right. Anyways, it's too difficult to describe in per, uh, by talking about it, but both of those situations took a behavior I'd been doing before and feeling right, righteous about and made me realize that not only it was Ill illegal, but it was actually more dangerous to me personally. And so that really helped me to take responsibility for my own actions on the road. And, uh, and then just when I noticed that when I started to behave more peacefully on the road, I felt the drivers around me behaved more peacefully. And now it's very rare for me to have a negative encounter. And I actually find I'll come up to a stop sign, a four-way stop, I'll, I'll slow down because I see a car is coming and they will often wave me through. Um, so there's a lot of times that I'll find drivers are very respectful. And I, th I think, you know, there's always, there's still people who are not, um, but I feel like what I put out there is, is going to affect the types of interactions really, I have. Yeah, that's really interesting. It just shows like good behavior begets good behavior Absolutely. begets good behavior and so on. And that's really in the spirit it of yeah. Truth T.O., right? That sense that's of right. not feeling righteous right? Uh, and that I am one among many. Uh, Don, I mean, we've heard a number of these kinds of stories over the course of uh, Truth T.O., which launched almost a year ago. Yeah. Um, can you sort of talk about how does that relate to your own experience or other stories you've heard or, or even just... Uh, uh, how it plays into the spirit of truth to you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it, that's great to hear because I think a lot of the stories we've been hearing is, again, it's been very much about that um, conflict that, um, you know, us against them, whichever position you're, you're, you're playing, whether you're a, a driver or you're the cyclist. Um, so it, that, that's a really refreshing story, but it's also a great story to tell people that you can actually do that and actually have an impact. Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, but you're right. I mean, we see every day on the roads, people are angry at each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even this morning I saw, you know, a vehicle wasn't paying attention, turned right on a red, almost hit a, a cyclist. Now the cyclist was doing what you did, which was they just sort of, you know, managed their way through. Um, but it, it is, um, it is, you know, I think you're you're a much more sophisticated 
a cyclist than most that I see or even you know a sophisticated driver because that's not usually they don't usually take the high road right you've taken the high road around really role modeling that's 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 amazing but I think you've probably taken it one step further as well with your your activism in the city well I, I feel that and I, I notice this in other areas of life but I feel that whatever sort of frustration I feel on the roads it needs to be channeled towards the appropriate yeah. person or um, system and that is how we design our roads so if the driver who's next to me who's and who's next to the pedestrian we're all angry at each other <laughs> because we're sharing, we're, we're in a space that's not designed to get, make us all feel safe. Yeah. And so we need to talk to the designers. And again, we can't go to them yelling at them. We have to go to them just wanting to work together. Uh, but it's it's like if you're on the bus, I've noticed this, if it's really crowded, everyone on the bus is so angry at each other, but it's really no one's fault. We're all just stuck on a crowded bus. If we want to take it higher, we got to go talk to the TTC or the funders of the TTC. Yeah. So it's the same with the road. That, that frustration that, that I feel, I try and remember, has nothing to do with we all have somewhere to go that's important. We all want to get there safely. So if I want to get home and write a letter or call my counselor, that's the, that's the best thing to do with that frustration. And we have had you know, a, a little bit of a debate over the course of this program, Truce to You. Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a false debate, but the, the debate has been, is it a matter of trying to modify behavior or is it a matter of design? And I think everybody ultimately agrees that design is going to be is critical to shifting uh, certainly the stats uh, and moving towards vision zero um, but as you've demonstrated i mean changing one's attitude and having a different attitude in your in your world in terms of how you experience the uh, the streets has improved your experience so sure. the two it's a, it's a, it's it's uh, it's not an either or it's both but right. to, we do kind of need to bring that behavior and and also match it to also advocating and, and uh and moving the design envelope sure. a little bit as well. Absolutely. I mean, the thing that I feel is we have been talking about behavior for a long time, and we keep trying to find the right way of changing people's behavior. And you know, let's look at somewhere we where we really don't want to have cars. So, like, I'm just thinking the first example is say the U.S. consulate, where they don't want to have very much, you know, traffic bystanders yeah. there. Yes. There's physical barricades. I mean, anywhere where we really don't want to have a certain type of traffic, we stop that. And I could say for the, for bikes as well, when you're on a, a recreational trail, you come to a railway, um, <laughs> there right. are barricades. You cannot, so in those places, we're not relying on people to do the right thing. We're not spending right. all our time giving them public education and fines and this and that. We just know it's critical that that bike doesn't go speeding through the, tr or the car doesn't go speeding across yeah. the train track. So. So I think, you know, behavior, the most important thing to me about the behavior change is to create the positive environment that allows us to come to the design solution. Um, it just, but behavior always happens with design. It, it really, it really doesn't happen if we just tell people what to do. No, fair enough. I think that's <laughs> fair. Um, Jacob, you, uh, your mom uh, told us a story a little while ago about uh, an incident that you had uh, mm -hmm. in Toronto. Tell us a little, a uh, little bit about what happened. Fortunately, uh, it was, uh, you came out uh, fine from it, but also how did it affect you in terms of getting back uh, up on your bike or yeah. back uh, back into being, um, you know, using the streets? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just one day I was riding home from school and uh, unlike what I said before, I, I, we, I didn't go along Bloor Street. I went just by myself um, along Davenport. And so it was just a summer afternoon. It was really bright out and I was biking along Davenport approaching the, on the bike lane too, uh, in yeah. the bike lane um, with approaching the point where Dover Court meets Davenport mm -hmm. and I was just 
biking straight forward knowing that I had the right of way to keep going cars had to wait and then signal and then turn um, but right I didn't even notice right when I noticed a car pulling up beside me and then I just continued through but right when I was in the middle of the car just turned right directly on me kind of broadsiding me with uh, with the door so I luckily I was able to turn my handlebars and just like I said it broadsided me so I was just pushed off my bike um, and I was I was completely fine but uh, my my whole pedal was kind of dented in and everything and I was just super like just totally out of it I just was so so worried and kind of scared little shock yeah, yeah. and um, the driver stopped right away he got out of his car and he was like oh I'm, I'm really sorry uh, and everyone around there was a it was rush hour so there was tons of people around and they were all very mad at the at the driver so everyone was yelling like you're gonna that's demerit points or whatever and uh so everyone was yelling at him and he was kind of he was being apologetic but it it was he was like oh is my car dented or whatever kind of to himself and so i i really just didn't know what to do i kind of just stood there frozen and um I after I was just I was just like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bike home I'm okay he's like okay he got back in his car and I biked off but I just remember yeah going those last that last bike lane I just remember I was so just locked in like to the to the present moment I just was noticing everything around me um, and I just uh, luckily I just biked biked home and my bike was fine other than the little dent and I told my mom and she told me all the things I should have done after after had it happened and I was like, oh shoot, I should have done that. How long did it take you, were you reticent? Were you nervous to get back on your bike uh, uh, a little, for a few days or weeks or a little while after that incident? After that, I, was, I wasn't, no, I no. wasn't too nervous to be, to, to start biking again, but it was really just from that point on that I was aware of how fast, how fast that can happen, how fast someone uh, anyone can just how a collision can happen. I know it's a moment, so, right? Yeah, it's a complete moment. Yeah. Uh, and Sarah, for you, um, as as Jacob's mom, um, how has how did that incident uh, impact you, if at all? Well, yeah. I, it, it, I mean, it certainly wasn't a very nice thing to no. come home and hear that story. It was because you think of all the things that could have happened. I am quite nervous with, I, I believe biking is such a great way to get around the city, but I'm quite nervous with all my children biking. I prefer that they bike with me. I mean, on their own bikes, but with me or my husband, um, because I don't feel Toronto's bikes or, or streets are safe. Um, but so I, I just, you know, I didn't say to Jacob, oh, you can't stop, you can't ride or anything, but I definitely encourage him to ride on the one bike lane that takes him straight to the subway that then he can take the subway to work um, or to school. and. Uh, whatever he's going, I just you know remind him of all the general safety precautions. But I also feel this is life, and in fact, crossing the street is a lot more dangerous than cycling is. And we you know whether you drive or walk, you're crossing the street. So I think life does have a certain amount of risk. So I just have to yeah. live with that. Um, and but no, you know the the only good silver lining is of course anytime you're in a close call like that, it does make you more aware of of possibilities. And I think. I hope Jacob is a even safer cyclist now because of that. Donna, this has been a reoccurring theme over the course of Street Peace in terms of, and it comes back to, again, one of the motivations for RSA to get involved in this program is that ev everything that you do as an insurer is to, is to 
bring people back so that their life is back to normal and in some cases that's not possible yeah I mean that that's the whole premise of insurance is to to take people back to where they were pre-accident or, or pre-loss and that's easy enough to do when your start your car gets stolen or your bike gets stolen I, we can replace those really easily or, or your house um, has a fire loss but when someone is in an accident um, it is um, very, it's almost impossible for us to get people back to where they were pre-accident. Um, even if we can f get them back to normal from a physical perspective, and that's not always the case, particularly if there's a death or it's it's a very serious uh, catastrophe, catastrophic type of injury. Um, sometimes there's um, you know post-traumatic stress, and they people can't get back on their bike or they can't drive their car anymore. They don't want to walk, um, so. I see it every day when we have our, 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 our claim files and we see accidents and we see lots of accidents which were like Jacob's but did not go very well um, where people are, are significantly injured, especially for a young person, right? It's, it's just, it's so devastating. It's years and years and years of, of not being able to do what, uh, what they were used to doing before. So we, we take, um, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very much a personal thing and, and it is, it's tough actually on our claims adjusters when we're having to deal with um, uh, folks that are, have been in really serious accidents. Absolutely. Um, and so mm -hmm. it is, it's a, uh, it's a personal thing as much as it is about, about, uh, about business, but it is, you know, Sarah, I agree, I agree with you. I, you know, I have, I have a 15 year old son as well. And, you know, you try to teach them all of the right rules, particularly in the city, whether it's, you know, walking or, or taking their bike or taking the subway and you'd want them to be safe. Um, you can't wrap them in bubble wrap even mm -hmm. though as much as we might try um they want to go out it's a great city they want to explore mm -hmm. and it is tough when you know you do have that nervousness when they go out um, yeah. and, and you want to make them safe but you, you there are mm -hmm. risks i mean you can't you can't you can't make it perfect so um your story is a real that's a that resonates quite a bit with with me just again from being a, a mom yeah. um mm -hmm. it's it's tough and so i wouldn't want to have that phone call that you had. It mm -hmm. must have been a very challenging call. Mm -hmm. With some of the semantics uh, that the Toronto media are now using, um, which I think is kind of interesting, um, is instead of accident, the new terminology that just started in the uh, in newsrooms is crash. Oh, um, so okay, they're using the term crash. What, do you know, you, you probably know a little bit better than I do, Sarah, in terms of the rationale behind that shift. Yes, and I've made that shift in the last actually several years, talking about either collision or crash. Because and if you use the analogy of a plane crash, no one ever says plane accident, ever. Um, because they recognize there's a cause. There's always a cause. And it's this. we need to start looking at our streets at the same thing. It's not like, oh, wow, there was some crazy accident that happened. No, it's not an accident. It was due to mm -hmm. driver error. It was due to um, un, you know, poor visibility. It was due to the street design is a known you know, <laughs> collision center. So by using the word collision regularly or crash, mm -hmm. it, it, puts, it takes away that kind of it's there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Accidents is just like, oh, accidents happen. Crashes, collisions, okay, let's find what happened What's and let's source? see what we can do right. to, to stop no, it. I think for the insurance industry particularly, it yeah. would be very helpful because you are looking for cost. reducing right. those, right? Yeah, and so, reducing and yeah. the cost and effect. So yeah. now I, I almost always say crash or collision okay. and I find myself <laughs> correcting people all the time, <laughs> trying not to do it too much, but it is, a, it is a habit and I think it's good. I'm very glad to see the media changing that. And yeah, no, it was an interesting observation. Now, Donna, you wrote a letter at the end of 2018 uh, that was published uh, to all Torontonians um, 
about street safety. And maybe you want to tell us a little bit about what was the essence of that message and, uh, and the motivation behind it? Well, I, I think really the essence was, of, as you mentioned, we started this campaign at the beginning of the year. So again, all of that hope and expectation of maybe some of the work that we were doing and other activists were doing, um, the Vision Zero campaign that was going on, that we would see some improvement and and we didn't. It was it was worse. It was way worse um, than the year before. And um, it was, I guess, a bit of um, frustration or sadness, whatever you want to call it, um, that I thought it needed to be called out um, and wanted to do that in, in a, uh, I guess, a more public way to say we, we, you know, this is this is the reality of where we've ended the year at. We shouldn't be happy about it and we need to do something about it. And, and uh, one way that we, we would like to participate is with that, again, that empathy angle as well as education so um, it actually I was I was actually surprised at how much um, uh, attention that it got um, uh, quite pleased about it and was lots of people that had um, liked it or had uh, commented on on the the message and that's really what we wanted to do was drive some awareness that this needs to change and we need to um, we need to make the streets safer great um, well thank you all three of you very much for joining us for this episode is street peace uh, yeah. At the beginning of 2019, let us all hope that uh, for the interest of our city and the people who use our streets uh, as pedestrians, cyclists and drivers, that it's a far, far safer and more enjoyable year than it was last year. Uh, thank you all and a happy 2019. Thank, thank you. Happy New year. Thank, thank you. you. Happy New Year. Happy thank New year. you.